You are listening to the Scars and Guitars podcast series that syndicates for the A-List online. My name's Andrew Mackay-Smith and the interview subject I've got coming up for you is Dredgen from the Swedish outfit Backyard Babies. He's also back in the helicopters, he tells me that through the conversation and it's wonderful to hear. But the reason for the conversation is to promote the three dates that the Backyard Babies are performing in October in Australia and I'll read them out. Sydney, you get a show on Friday the 4th, Melbourne on Saturday the 5th and finally we here in Queensland in Brisbane get one on Sunday the 6th. Another fantastic conversation with a legend. Here he is, Dredgen from the Backyard Babies. This is Dragon. Dragon, Andrew Mackay-Smith calling for our chat. How are you, sir? Oh, I am so good. Thank you for <laughs> calling. How are you? I'm good, mate. I'm good. I've got to tell you, mate, you're one of those fellas who has been a bit of an enigma, I must say. So I was really looking forward to our conversation i remember okay reading metal hammer kerrang and remember magazines remember those bloody things back in the day in the 90s yeah. and i remember yeah, seeing yeah, yeah, yeah. i remember seeing photos of you back in the day and of course listening i actually first got into you through the helicopters and and found okay, out about yeah, you that way and you always fascinated me mate because you're a rock star and you were a rock star and your image was as such in an era now, you remember the 90s. You mm-hmm. remember what they were like. Like, yeah. it was the death metal yeah. thing and it was the grunge thing. But you were you were very different, yeah. mate. You stood out. You were, like, uh, as I say, an enigma, a bit of an icon in the time where there weren't any. So you've, you've really, and oh, I think, oh, cool. yeah, you've done something really cool through that. But obviously, that's just you being you and you've been standing within your own truth image-wise and musically, mate. So I've got to congratulate you on that. Oh, thank you so much, sir. I'm blushing a bit over here now. <laughs> thank God. Thank God it's a fucking phoner. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's a bit like that. But, yeah. but mate, you have. You've endured yeah. and you've, you've survived when it wouldn't have been easy to do so, I can imagine. Because I know you started out as a roadie with Entombed and, you know, your career could have mm-hmm. gone anywhere. You could have ended up in a, you know, an ordinary job like so many people do. But, mate, you stuck it out and you're a success. Yeah, well, you know, it's, I don't know, it's kind of, you got to be hard-headed and then, you know, be, uh, I don't know. I, I was just convinced that, you know, fucking hell, I can't be wrong on this one. You know, mm-hmm. people people need rock and roll music, Yeah. you know, and, uh, and then maybe I've never been so into trends or fashion. I think it's kind of like... Uh, I think it's kind of boring mm-hmm. when everybody's going to look the, look the same and listening to the same. Uh, and, you know, it's, uh, yeah. And, and I was just, you know, because you know that, you know, everything's going to eventually, every 10 years, there's a new fucking trend coming yeah. out. But, you yeah. know, with, with rock and roll music, it's, it's very, it's very untrendy in a way. It's just, it's just like a, the fucking wheel. It's just, it, it's just a great, mm. uh, uh, I don't know, invention. <laughs> yeah, no, you're not wrong. I mean, and it is it is like the wheel and it. it was perfect from get-go, wasn't it? Right the way, way back when the great Blues Masters, the Delta Blues Masters did their thing and then you got Chuck Berry, uh, then you've got mm-hmm. Ted Nugent and then you guys. But it's it's always been relevant, isn't it? And the thing about rock and roll is that almost anywhere in the world you're going to find a great, full-on, no-bullshit hard rock band like the Backyard Babies ready and willing to perform. So it's a, it's a, it's something yeah. that crosses over all sorts of different cultural and religious and social boundaries as well. Exactly, yeah. yeah. Uh, it's, a, it's a totally like a universal language in a way. Mm. Yeah. 
Yeah, so, mate, this this tour, you're coming down here. Well, it's three dates in Australia. You're playing three dates on the yes. East Coast, and um, Silverback are really active these days. They're the guys that are bringing you guys down, so that's really cool that they're doing that. But Oh, wow. Oh, I'm so fucking glad. Because, you know, we, we've been here... I mean, last time we were there was 2003, I just found out today. Yeah, yeah. I thought it was about 10 years ago, but it's like 16. And we've been trying more or less like every year to come back. I don't know why it hasn't really happened. But, you know, but now finally uh, we're going to be there. And hopefully, you yeah. know, uh, we can continue to come back, you know, like, you know, uh, have some next album and stuff. And, and I know also there's talks about uh, the helicopters. That's that's what's talking about. It. I'm, I'm in both bands, you know, so that would be amazing to go down with the helicopters as well to Australia. I didn't but, know that yeah. you were back in the helicopters, and that is great news. How, how long have you been back in the band for? Yeah, I mean, yeah, well, you know, the, the band split, split up 2008. Hmm. Uh, and then, you know, we got an offer from a big festival in Sweden called Sweden Rock. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, that was... 2016, yeah, like three years ago, because our first album was celebrating 20 years, super shitty to the max. Yeah, and we were like, ah, what the fuck? Let's, you know, let's just do like one show. It was a headline show, you know, like, and and so we only played that album, uh, truly, you know, hmm. the, the full album. Yep, that was the show, and then, and then you know, that was of course really really fun, and uh, then it started to grow again, and now we're out. We we are we are very selective. We we mainly have done only summers and festivals for three years now. But now we are back slightly in the studio and working on a possible new album. And we were doing a Spain and Germany club tour uh, in March April, which was uh, crazy. So yeah. Yes. So yeah. Yeah. So. Well, that's great news, mate. You're bringing the rock to the people yeah. in two bands again. Yeah, because you were, people, yeah, I think, forget you were, you were a foundation member of the Helicopters. It was effectively yours and Nikki's band. Yeah, yeah, it was me and Nikki's band. So, yeah. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, it's all back together and it's, you know, it's, it's good times. I bet it is. I bet it is. But look, the, these three shows down here. Yeah. You've got you've got a big yeah. catalogue. You you yourself have appeared in over twenty albums, and that's not just the Backyard Babies. That's all of them. But you know you're really the driving force behind the band here as well. So can you can you tell us what sort of what sort of songs you're going to be playing? Like what what part of your catalogue you're going to dive into when you play shows here? I think it's you know it, it sounds like a boring answer, but it's not going to be boring because you know. I would love, because I love the new album, Sliver and Gold, I would love to play that to its turn, you know, like, but, but to, I know that there's a lot of fans, they want to hear songs from Total 13 or Making Enemies in Stockholm Syndrome, so it's going to be just one of these, you know, ask the party mixtapes with, you know, best of Back Your Babies, and, mm. you know, maybe a, a B-side here and there for the fans, you know, but mainly it's just going to be a, the best of Back Your Babies, actually. Yeah, gotcha. From, like, the, from, the, whole, from the whole career. Hmm. Well, I think, I think like a lot of the or people going that will go to the gig, I first got into you. I, I knew about you well beforehand, like through Total 13, but Making Enemies mm-hmm. as Good is really the big album, really, I think, isn't it? So yeah. are you going to be taking a lot of cuts from that one? Uh, let's see what we're going to... But, you know, of course, I mean, we can't... You know, of course, we got to play Brand New Hate and The Clash and stuff mm. like that, so... Uh, yeah, there's going to be actually bits and pieces from like every album, I would say. Yeah. Okay. 
Gotcha. Hey, I've got to ask you this question. Ghost being a Swedish mm-hmm. band, and I know Sweden mm-hmm. per head per capita produces more more musicians than I think anywhere else in the world. But but Ghost, <laughs> I think I think Ghost are fantastic, by the way. But is has their success in Sweden been well received? In other words, are people happy for them? Uh, well, I would say you know, I mean, actually, uh, the Pope Papa, he was you know when we did the total, uh, I mean, Stockholm Syndrome that album. Mm. His band before Ghost was the uh, the uh, the support band for Backyard Babies. Mm-hmm. They were called Sub Submission uh, or Subvision, actually. I think they were called. And uh, he's always been a very, you know, uh, creative guy with stuff. And 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 he goes here, yeah. I mean, last show they did in Stockholm, they sold out the Globe Arena, you know. So they're doing they're doing, doing well. well here. Yeah, they're doing really well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So back back to you, mate. You know, I mentioned uh, not yeah. long ago there that you've appeared on over twenty albums, and uh, I think your recording career, correct me if I'm wrong, started with Diesel and Power by the Backyard Babies back in 1994. Yeah, um, yeah actually, actually, there was an EP before that called Something to Swallow. Our first release okay. with Backyard Babies, it was an EP. And that was 1991. Wow, that was geez. the first album, so to say. Yeah. What's your favorite episode then, going back that far? Because that's almost 30 years, if you can believe it now, that you've been playing hard rock for the people. But do you have a favorite episode or a favorite album or period of your, your time as a musician? Uh, I mean, I'm so happy with the album now. But, I mean, that, that's the only... the boy, I mean, I got to be honest. Like, you know, it, it's, it, it, it would never be that... Uh, that kick that you got from, you know, I still think it's great to go to, I mean, this is actually, I'm not saying this just to, to, you know, I don't know, flirt with Australia. I mean, (laughs) it's been such a, it's been such a long time. So I'm really looking forward to, you know, to come down to Melbourne or Sydney and play, you know, Hmm. uh, for Brisbane. But, you know, there's always, you know, it's hard to get that, you know, that, first feeling you know so for me yeah. i would say that uh, total 13 that album is always going to be special for me because that was the the first time we started the band 89 we got our first kind of like salary that we were getting some money to pay mm-hmm. the rent in 1998 so that was almost 10 years without getting a single fucking penny you know mm-hmm. uh so that album is always going to be special for me. And that album made us, you know, to go to, you know, to tour America, to tour Japan, to tour South America and stuff like that. So, hmm. but it's not really, it's not really because of the music. It's more because that was the album that kind of broke the band, you know? So, yeah, yeah, that's, that cover was iconic. I've got to tell you that album cover was one of the first yeah. times that you started to see that retro look. I know what Rob Zombie and White Zombie were doing something similar with, um, you know, some of some yeah. of their shit around the era. But that was the first time that I really remember looking at an album cover and seeing a band on the front cover again. Because again, you remember back in the day in the nineties, bands didn't do that. Yeah. You didn't see photos of them on the front of the album like you did with the Beatles and the Stones. And I could really tell it really set you guys apart. Yeah, I know that you know. It was actually me, my idea, and, and his, his name is called Michael. Uh, he's the one that did the last cover together. We, we always do the covers together, but, you know, uh, we had to convince the record company because first they thought that, you know, uh, that it was too retro because you could see a band on the cover. And I'm like, <laughs> what the fuck? That's, you want to see a band on the cover. 
But then it was also because it was a hard album and it was kind of like, you know, they thought that it was, uh, you know, because it's kind of like sky blue, you know, yeah. like bright blue. Yeah. They wanted to have a way more like darker cover because, you know, like hard music got to have dark covers. And we were like, no, fuck you. Like, this is going to stick out, you know. Mm. Uh, you were and right. um, yeah, hopefully we were, we were right. <laughs> no, you're definitely yeah. right. Yeah, it certainly captured my attention. I mean, back in the day, a lot of the younger people, I, I'm going to release this as a podcast episode, if you're cool with that, because I host a podcast series. Yeah, yeah. A lot no of people, problem. a lot of people who listen might be uh, of the uh, the millennial age group, so they're born after 1990, mm-hmm. that sort of thing. But yeah. mate, you and I grew up with cassettes and CDs, didn't we? And yeah. Yeah. The only way that you could actually hear a band is if you listen to them over a bloody cassette or a TV. And let's to be honest with you, I was wasn't going to hear the backyard babies on the, the helicopters on the radio, except for on heavy metal radio here in Australia late at night, you know, and you weren't really yeah. up that late. You couldn't really start too late when you were a kid, you know, so it was, you, you couldn't get into music back then the same way that you can get into it now. So you had to rely on the image, the graphic. And I think that album cover was so perfect for that because to your point, mate, yeah, it really stood out. Remember the bands of that era, like Cradle of Filth and even Entombed and stuff, they had that dark, mm-hmm. you know, that, that real gothic or not entombed gothic but cradle of filth were but you guys really stood out so i'm so glad you did that mate and you you, you were proven right as i said a couple of times now in the fullness of time that that relying on your instincts and using that imagery was the right thing to do so yeah i think i think you're as you're as notable for your music as i think as you are for your image and i think it's a wonderful thing well you know I, it's always been you know of course I, I mean the music comes always first but i mean uh, for example, I mean, if you give me 20 quid and I have to, you know, I, or money just to buy one album hmm. that I haven't heard before and I, I'm going into a record shop and and let's say that I've got, you tell me that, well, these two albums are good, I like them, and, and I'm standing there with the two albums uh, and I never heard any of the two, uh, I would pick the one that looks graphically most interesting. Mm, you great. Know? Mm. Back in the day, definitely. Yeah. That's that's all you had. What else did you have, as a, as I say? And yeah. um, you know, I'll, I'll ask you this question too, because you are a veteran. You've been around a long time, and you've been successful for a long time against the odds. But what, what's your current thoughts on the state of hard rock and heavy metal? Is it in a is it in a good place? In other words, is the industry overall healthy? Uh, oh, that's it's really hard because it's. I think it was more like even before, you know, like. Mm. Uh, because, you know, like in Sweden now, um, I think that record sales and stuff are going, uh, I mean, it, it's on a good, uh, it looks way brighter than it did five years ago. But uh, for rock music in general, uh, I think in Sweden, it's never been uh, on such a rock bottom as we are now. Oh, wow. You know, okay. it's, yeah. uh, it's, not, it's not so much about this, this great bands out there. But they don't get really any support from record companies. Uh, uh, clubs in Stockholm are shutting down. Yeah. You know, mm. uh, I, I mean these kind of like grassroots clubs that are really, really important for bands to actually grow to become, you know, fucking amazing bands. Mm. And we're talking about clubs that maybe holds 300, 500 people. You know, up to maybe six, seven hundred. Uh, they're shutting these down. So the problem in Stockholm now it's kind of like 
you can play at the fucking local pub, you know, in a corner. Hmm. But the next stage is, you know, a fucking 3,000-seater or a 2,000-seater. <laughs> You're right. So, so, so you know, it's, it's yeah. nothing, you know, in between that, which is really, really important for all sorts of live bands, I think, you know. Because uh, you can't just go from the pub to the stadium, you know, uh, and make mm-hmm. a good show. No, I, I absolutely agree with what you're saying there. There was just reading today, and I, I signed a petition here that in Adelaide there's a, a an in between theatre, exactly what you're talking about, like a 700 capacity theatre or 500 capacity theatre that they're going to bulldoze. Apparently, you know, I don't have all of the detail, but it's not just in Stockholm; it's worldwide. And I, I don't understand yeah. it. I really don't understand it because without live music, yeah. we're going to die a slow social death. It's really important that yeah. we have it. And, Pub bands generally, and also I, I mean, and also in Sweden, this is almost. I mean, I'm becoming political here, but you know, it's it's not just because Sweden in general. I think that music is our third biggest, you know, what you know, income for the whole of Sweden. It's music. Yeah, I think it's only like IKEA and Volvo cars <laughs> that are more. You know, yeah, but this is you know, it's it's the truth, and then comes music. And I think that, you know, uh, politicians are getting spoiled uh, because they think it's going to become, it's going to, you know, that we are born with this, whatever, you know, uh, I don't know, with this gift of writing and playing and become great musicians. But, you know, when they are shutting down all these clubs, the grassroots clubs, it's going to be like, it's going to be devastating in like 20 years. You, you got, they're going to see the results because, you know, there is, uh, they, I don't think that they understand the, the, how important these clubs are, you know. They're out of so, touch, uh, mate. Politicians usually are out of touch, and on that front, you're bang on. And I think, think yeah. that a lot of pubs and clubs like that support music, not bloody poker machines and stuff, need to become public assets. That's when the socialisation exactly. of assets is a really good thing because, look, they don't, you know, it shouldn't be the responsibility of a publican to sell a lot of beer so as they can have bands on, okay? It really, the campfire these days is live music, isn't it? So if we go back in time when we sat around a campfire, it's live music, and it has yeah. been like that for, for at least 50 or 60 years at this point. So, yeah, this is, man, it's a very yeah. big topic, that one, yeah. Yeah, but it's a global bloody thing, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. But, I mean, on the other hand, now it's really, like, depressing. It's, it's, this is how it is in Sweden right now, and, and uh, I think that they are spoiled because they think that, you know, they are just so used to that all these great new bands are coming mm. out, uh, which I think we're going to suffer hard for. You know, it's going to be a fucking backfire on that thing. But I mean, we just came from Germany on tour. And I mean, I would say it's almost the opposite. You know, in Germany, there's fucking clubs everywhere and it's live music everywhere, you know, and mm. uh, same in Spain. So it's not it's not bad everywhere. Oh, there you go. Yeah. You know? well, well, you'd know. I mean, you're traveling other places. I can only read what I see online yeah. from here. And yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, But that's cool, mate. Look, I better let you get to the next one. Unfortunately, these phones are over yeah. too quickly. And believe me, I could spend another hour waxing lyrical with you. But, yeah, uh, yeah but, I got to do another one. Yeah. yeah. Well, good luck with everything, mate. It's a pleasure to finally chat to you. Uh, well, thank you, and then please, uh, you know, I'll see you down in the beginning of, what is it, o- October? It's right? October. Like 5th, 6th, yeah, yeah. It's in October, I can't so... fucking wait. I can't wait. Mate, there's a lot of people down here that are very excited for it, so good on you, mate. It's going to be awesome. All right. Cool. Okay, I'll see mate. you down there. For sure, mate. Okay. Talk Take to you. care. Bye-bye. Bye.
You've been listening to the Scars and Guitars podcast series that syndicates for the A-List online. My name's Andrew Mackay-Smith, and that interview subject was dredging from the Swedish outfit Backyard Babies and the Helicopters. Thanks so much for listening.